Thanks, Kristen. Thanks for asking me to speak. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Jessa. I am a compulsive overeater. I am absent. I'm in a state of being recovered, meaning that I have food neutrality. I have serenity and peace in my life. And my goal here is to say something that's useful to someone and to not be a bullshitter and tell you and make things look better than they were or because it it hasn't been a linear process. But anyway, okay. So I'm going to skip most of my story because I think it seems like most people here are not new. I think you understand what compulsive eating looks like, but just in case you don't, on page 44 of the big book at the beginning of the We Agnostics chapter, it says, if when you honestly want to, you can't find you cannot quit entirely. So that was me recommitting day after day to be back on that diet. And then by noon or 4 p.m. or whatever it was, binging my head off. And, you know, when I was younger, those periods were longer. I was able to be in Weight Watchers for like six months, did great. But once I started to slip, once the grip started to go, there was just no, I couldn't get back into it. I was like, every day I was like, I'm going to recommit myself, redouble my efforts. I wanted to quit entirely, but I found I couldn't. Or if when eating, overeating, binging, purging, whatever your jam is, you have little control over the amount you take. That was definitely true. That wasn't even in question. I just knew that if you, and that also has gotten worse over time. Like maybe there was some willpower that was active at some point earlier in my life. Maybe I could eat a sugary thing and then not for a little while. But basically, let's just put it this way. By the my early 20s, I would be shopping for food in the supermarket and I would leave with nothing but snack cakes. That was all I left the supermarket with. And that's what I lived on. And it was fine. I didn't really, it didn't seem to trigger insanity until later in my life. And then I'll just leave you with this. Um, when I used to work in a hospital, so I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm like 56, almost 57 now. So when I was in my thirties, I was working in a hospital and I was having going through a really, really rough time around the food and it was Christmas time and the nurses station. So people always bring sweets to the nurses, right? It's crazy. Um, and I knew which nurses stations like had the best goodies. <laughs> so um, one time there was a box of C's candy for, for those of you who don't know, it's like a very de delectable chocolate treat. There was a box of C's candy in the nurse's station. I actually pretended while I was interviewing a patient, I pretended that my pager had gone off because I couldn't actually even finish five more minutes with this person. I had to go back and eat. I see nodding. It's just, yeah, that compulsion just overwhelmed me. And during that same Christmas, I had stolen the code, the, the access code to one of the clinics in the sort of center of the hospital. And so I knew how to get into the clinic. And then I also had stolen the code to the pantry. So I found myself at 2.30 in the morning, buried in this clinic, which was closed. And no one knew I was there on my hands and knees with the door open to the refrigerator, just shoving cake in my mouth on my hands and knees. It was such a stark sight. And I remember I was like, kept asking for help. And everybody was like, well, you know, you're too busy right now. You're a mother right now et cetera, et cetera. Like it never seemed like the right time. So for 20 years, I was in and out of OA. Let me just back up and let you know that I, I'm also a drug addict, alcoholic, and I got sober in AA when I was 20. So all of this time I was sober, but the food was just getting worse and worse and worse. It was obvious to me that my addiction to food was just 
blossoming. Um, so I was going to OA, but I just hated it. I hated everything about it. I hated you guys. I thought it was like full of really whiny people who didn't seem to have any recovery. Um, nobody seemed to be abstinent. The whole concept of abstinence seemed extremely rigid to me. There was no way in hell I was going to weigh and measure every bite of food I ate for the rest of my life. You're fucking insane if you think that. It's just not going to happen, et cetera. And so I'd go in for a while and then I'd go out and I just couldn't get and stay abstinent. So fast forward another decade or two, um, I find myself in my early 50s having 32 years of sobriety and I ended up having a relapse of my drug and alcohol addiction. It was actually a medication that was prescribed to me by a doctor and I just lost control of it very quickly and it owned me. And um, it was a really tragic, very violent and upsetting relapse. It only lasted about eight months, but I went from having a job to having no job, having a professional license to losing my professional license because of it. I lost my home. I lost all of my money. And I did that very quickly because that's what my addiction looked like in my 50s. That's how much it had progressed. I was sober that whole time. And that's how much it had progressed. It went from like being enough difficult to get me into the program, but to being, you know, utterly destructive. So, of course, during that time, my food was also really awful. I mean, I was basically like binging, starving, binging, starving, binging, starving, according to what drugs I was using. And then I got into rehab in, at age 54 and was finally able to have enough of a spiritual awakening to get sober. I was cornered. Drinking and using wasn't working for me. In other words, I'd lost everything I cared about except my family, which was an X on the chopping block. And I did not want to get sober because fuck that. And I just sat there in this like place of no, no return until I just sort of cracked open and I said, okay god you fucking win excuse the square swearing it's just how i do <laughs> you fucking win okay i don't know what to do if you want me to go out and drink and use then fine i'm going i'll go now okay just show me where to go and and if you want me to get sober then show me what to do there because i'm lost and that experience of being lost and having to depend on a higher power because i had no other choice transformed everything for me so got sober, stayed sober in rehab. And by day 10 in rehab, I was ordering candy from Amazon because they didn't have enough sweets after dinner to like satisfy me. So, you know, going back for two or three pieces of cake, but I had to supplement. <laughs> so I was already like, and I was in rehab. I was like, you guys have got to help me. I've got this terrible food addiction. And it's like, especially now that I'm sober, it's not like go back and forth. I'm just like barreling forward towards the food and they were like yeah I don't know if we can really do that it's really hard to get inpatient programs and blah 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 blah. so I left I left rehab and a lot of people said to me well look you just got to concentrate on one thing at a time um you you know you're sober that's great you're only a few weeks sober like let's just solidify that and then later you can deal with the food and I kept saying oh shit I forgot to time myself um hey Trace I don't know if anybody has any clue Kristen knows okay tell me when I have five minutes left okay thanks um so people were like don't worry about the food just deal with the drugs and alcohol and I kept saying to them I can't not worry about the food like first of all it's like absolutely driving me crazy and second of all I cannot have a relationship with a higher power when I'm stoned on sugar all the time and I can't stop 
So I basically put myself in OA again <laughs> against everybody else's advice. I was like, I can't stay, I can't get and stay sober unless I'm like really actually sober. And that means for me the food too. So, okay, fast forward another year or so, messing around, mostly trying to be on some sort of like intuitive eating, non-weighing and measuring food plan. And it was like great for six months and then it wouldn't be. And finally, I had some time. I had nine months doing great on the non-weighing and measuring food plan. And I lost it. I found myself in front of Safeway, sitting in my car with a bad just a complete pile of empty wrappers next to me i couldn't i couldn't drive home because that would have required five minutes of time not eating like i'm sure you all know that experience and um and it's just getting worse and worse we don't now don't live i used to live next to a corner store just go down there and fill up but now it's like a 10 minute drive to the nearest store so i would like stock up on extra because i'd think well i don't want to come back here today later or tomorrow so i'll just fill i'll stock up for two days you know, and it would last four hours. And um, so I went to a meeting and I said, I'm, I lost my abstinence. And I heard this from people in OA. If you want different, you have to do different. So it wasn't really a dramatic moment, except that I was just like, if you want different, you have to do different. And what I've been doing isn't working. And so I basically said that at a meeting, told everybody I was like, looking for a sponsor and then I took names of five women in that meeting who I liked or seemed interesting and then I just started calling them I didn't say um I'm looking for a sponsor I just said hey I'm Jessa you know I'm just coming out of a relapse I need to talk and I basically secretly interviewed them <laughs> so when people are like how do you find a sponsor I'm like you just call people don't talk about the sponsorship thing just talk to them and you'll know if someone's going to be right or, or not for you and if you don't know call them back and I, I find, um, so I find amazing, I found an amazing sponsor that way. And she had what I wanted. Five minutes, great. And she said one thing, first thing she said, I weigh and measure. I don't know how anybody can do this without weighing and measuring. If you want to work with me, you have to do that. That was a really hard pill for me to swallow. I said, but I've been successful with this whole intuitive eating thing for years. I can go like nine months, a year, two years. And she was like, yeah, but you always relapse again. So you're looking at the wrong piece. You're looking at the times you have absent. You're not looking at the fact that you can't hang on to it. I was like, wow, okay. So I just kept hearing, if you want different, you got to do different. So I said, look, I'm not, I'm not promising anything, but I'll try it. And that moment of willingness, I'll try it. I wanted her. And then so I was willing to do what she did. And she gave me a lot of instructions about what to do. And I do a lot of stuff now, but I just want to talk briefly about going through the steps because I've been through the steps. I think it was six or seven times in totals in my life. And so I was extremely cocky about what I was going to get out of this. I was like, what can you possibly teach me? I mean, I've been in the program longer than anyone. <laughs> and my sponsor said, everything that you've done up until now hasn't worked. What? No, but I worked the steps and then I had these times when I was absent. She's like, well, you're here, right? So it hasn't worked. Ooh. So um, I'll just hit a couple of highlights. Step one, I was like, I don't need to do step one. I understand powerless. Like I'm just fucking living it, right? Living powerless, living unmanageable. I get it. But I went through the big book. By the way, this is my tool. I have one tool and it's this, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
And I went through and I read the first three chapters about step one. And I wrote down everything I disagreed with. And I looked at it and realized that was my addict voice talking. It's not that bad for you. It may be that bad for them, but it's not that bad for you. You know, yes, you can stay abstinent, but then if it gets really hard, you don't have to. I had all these excuses and I didn't even hear them until I was like, you know, he said, alcohol was my master. And I thought to myself, well, alcohol might be your master, but alcohol is not my master. And I was like, no wonder I keep relapsing. <laughs> I have all these outs I've given myself where I don't have to do the program because, so that was huge. That was a big ego destruction time. And then the fourth step, we went really deep. We did the extended column work, if you're familiar with it. Um, and I had never seen before how I was in charge of all of my experience of the world. You know, not necessarily the things that happened to me, but the experience of the world was 100% my responsibility. And if I didn't like what was going on, I could look at myself and realize the ways in which my ego had its claws in it. I don't like this. This shouldn't be this way. You should be different. We'll be fine if you could just change. And how disabling that was. Um, so basically, of all the times I've ever worked the steps, that has been the most changing for me. I finally, finally started to realize that if I wanted to get not just sober, which I knew how to do, but abstinent, which I did not know how to do, I had to go to a whole nother level. And, you know, I guess I'll just end with this. Like, the most important part of my program right now is sponsoring other women. I love sponsoring. I always thought it was a huge pain in the ass, something you just had to do because they forced you. Now I realize that like when I talk to a sponsee, these amazing things come out. And I'm like, yeah, I never heard that before. And I just said it to this person. <laughs> like, it's an incredible uh, time of transformation. And so I live in the 12th step. I live in 10, 11, 12, but I, I do sponsoring other women and being of service in the program is the number one thing I do for my program. I also talk to my sponsor every day and I stick to my weight and measure food plan, et cetera, et cetera. But what's really important to me is the time that I nourish my spiritual health by being of sponsorship. So I think that's all.